I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 157. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This is what I think of when I hear the message of the song, Live It Well by Switchfoot. So let's listen real quick and then jump into Psalm 90, shall we? In preparation for this week's episode, I used several Bible interaction tool exercises that I want to share with you. I call these exercise BITES uh, because of the acronym, B-I-T-E, Bible Interaction Tool Exercise, of course, but also because it helps us take a bite out of Scripture. And I understand fully the struggle with knowing where to read in God's Word, for example, how to understand it better, or just getting stuck slogging through difficult or downright boring sections of scripture. I just finished Leviticus, so I completely understand that. So this week I used the bite of repetition. I read and I listened to Psalm 90 over and over again. And to be honest, partly because I just couldn't seem to get focused for some reason. It was like every time I read it, something else jumped out at me because my mind must have been wandering the first time that I read it. I used the bite of consulting a commentary. I also followed cross-references to reinforce the truths revealed in this psalm. And then I used section titles to help me understand the context of the cross-references I chased down. But the first Bible interaction tool exercise that I want to emphasize this week is to consider historical context. Now, this is so important because although God's word can be applied to our own lives now, we can't set aside the historical context in which it was written, who it was written to, what what the context of it was when it was written. Now, in some of the translations of the Bible, you will see that the author of this psalm is Moses. My translation said, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And so further consultation of Matthew Henry's commentary and Charles Spurgeon's Treasury of David, those are the two resources, outside resources that I use this week. They led me to understand that this psalm refers to the 40 years sentence to wander in the wilderness for the disobedient Israelites. It is the oldest psalm, even though it falls in the midst of the middle of the book of Psalms. 
And I love what Spurgeon says about this psalm. He writes, Many generations of mourners have listened to this psalm when standing around the open grave and have been consoled thereby, even when they have not perceived its special application to Israel in the wilderness and have failed to remember the far higher ground upon which believers now stand. Here's the thing. I love that you may have been consoled by the, by the words of Psalm 90, but you no longer have an excuse to not perceive its special application to Israel in the wilderness because we're going to consider this as we take this psalm apart today, verse by verse. And we will also not fail to remember that because of Christ and his final sacrifice, we absolutely stand on far higher ground than the Israelites ever did. So that is a small Bible interaction tool exercise. It's a small bite that will absolutely impact the way that we study this psalm. And as we jump in, I will be speaking of several cross-references. Now, a cross-reference is just another verse or a reference in the Bible that either repeats that thought or is similar to nature to something in, in nature to something that has been taught through that verse, or perhaps even quotes the verse word for word in another section of scripture. And the most efficient resource for cross-references that I use is Biblehub.com. B-I-B-L-E-H-U-B.com. Now, when you look up a verse in Bible Hub, the cross references are all right there on the right and they're live links. So you can just click on the cross reference and go read that verse in context um, or peruse the section headings around that verse so you can see what's happening in context of the cross-reference verse. Now, I love chasing down cross-references because it can begin to bring different sections of God's Word together in like a beautiful tapestry. You begin to see the threads woven from the Old Testament to the New, and you begin to deepen your understanding and just the big picture of God's Word as a whole. So although I will be jumping around a bit, you You can recreate my process simply by looking at Psalm 91 verse at a time in Bible Hub and then perusing the cross references as they're listed on the right. So without further ado, let's jump into verse one. It says, Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. This idea of God being our dwelling place is mentioned by Moses in his final blessing on Israel in Deuteronomy 33. He says, There is none like God who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you and said, Destroy. I, I think of all the home decor that's so popular now that have quotes about home you know, and Christmas songs that croon about being home for the holidays. And home is our dwelling place. It's where we live. And it's our safe place to be ourselves and rest. And with that picture in mind, we consider the amazing eternal God. There is none like him. He is our dwelling place. He's our home. And in keeping with the context of this psalm, he was the dwelling place of the Israelites despite their rejection of him. Verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You know, we know that God was God before the earth was created. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1 1. 
You know, Job's friends give us perspective as they ask, are you the first man who was born or were you brought forth before the hills? And another friend extols God's greatness in Job when he says, Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years is unsearchable. And Psalm 93 reiterates, Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. And Jesus himself reminds us in Revelation that he indeed is God from everlasting to everlasting when he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. It does us good to ponder the bigness of God, the order of things, especially our importance, you know, or lack thereof in the order of things. And as we continue in Psalm 90, in verse 3, it says, You turn, you return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. You know, we remember the consequences of Adam and Eve's disobedience, don't we? It says in Genesis 3, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But specific to the historical context of our psalm, we see the final verse of Numbers. When they list out the census of the new generation getting ready to head into the promised land, it was noted, but among these there was not one of those listed by Moses and Aaron the priest in the beginning of Numbers who had listed the people of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, they shall die in the wilderness. Not one of them was left except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. Okay, so in verse 3 we read, um, or I'm sorry, in verse 4 it goes on to say, For a thousand years in your sight are, but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. And, and this truth is repeated by Peter in his second letter. And he's um, speaking of scoffers who will say that they can live like they want because God's delay in, proves that he's not really coming back and that nothing will change. And in verse uh, chapter 3 of Second Peter, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And in light of this, our life in God's standard of time is so brief. Psalm 39, Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. As we continue on in Psalm 90, verses 5 and 6, it says, You sweep them away as with a flood. They're like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. You know, Job in his despair uses this type of metaphor. He says, Man who was born of woman is few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And he continues on, as waters fail from, fall, uh, fail from a lake and river, wastes away and dries up, so a man lies down and rises not again. Till the heavens are no more, he will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. And Isaiah says it this way, but with another promise. It says, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God 
will stand forever. Let's keep on in in Psalm 90, verse 7. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. Again, this was specifically the case of the Israelites whose lives were cut short because of their waywardness after the exodus. Just think about Moses and Joshua and Caleb who watched each of their fellow Israelites die in the wilderness. Some one by one and others in, in heaps. But funeral after funeral, they were absolutely dismayed by the wrath of God, seeing those they loved brought to an end by his anger. But remember what I said at the beginning. Yes, this psalm is God's word, but we are not in the same historical context as the Israelites. We are equally as disobedient. We are equally deserving of God's wrath and anger toward our sin, but we've been saved. We are not like the carcasses that fell in the desert. We have the hope of the gospel. However, we need to be mindful of God's anger towards sin. First King says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel. So we do need to understand that he wants us to follow him and continue to follow him and keep our hearts turned to him. And he is angry by sin. And in verse 8, You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. I love how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 19. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Solomon says it this way in Ecclesiastes. The end of the matter has all as all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And in Jeremiah, God says this, For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. But take heart. If you are a believer, Spurgeon writes, It is to us a wellspring of delights to remember that our sins as believers are now cast behind the Lord's back and shall never be brought to light again. Psalm 103 says it, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So let's continue in Psalm 90, verse 9. For all of our days pass away under your wrath, We bring our years to an end like a sigh. I'm going to read a section of scripture from Psalm 78. It gives us this beautiful contextual recap of where these people really were. Again, considering the historical context of when this psalm was written. And and Psalm 78 is referring to these people that this Psalm 90 is written about. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the lands of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan. He divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that the water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? 
Therefore, when the Lord heard he was full of wrath, a fire was kindled against Jacob and his anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Man ate the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens and by his power he led out the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust winged birds like the sand of the seas. He let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings, and they ate and were well filled, for he gave them what they craved. But before they had satisfied their craving, while the food was still in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them and laid low the young men of Israel. In spite of all of this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. So he made their days vanish like a breath and their years in terror. Her. When he killed them, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly. They remembered that God was their rock, the most high God, their redeemer. But then they flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe, when he performed his signs in Egypt, Egypt and his marvels in the fields of Zoan. Our Psalm 90 continues, the years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Of course, the Bible tells us that Moses lived long past 70 years old himself. But basically, he seems to be saying here, are our years here even worth mentioning? Psalm 90 says, who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Verse 11 of Psalm 90. I like, I like the way it's translated in New Living. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. It's Psalm 76. But you, you are to be feared. Who can stand before you when once your anger is roused? I love that Moses did not come to the conclusion that God was not worthy of our awe of him, of our fear of him. He saw for himself God's glory and the awful disobedience of his people and the tragedy of their sin. And we can we consider this in light of our current standing with God as it relates to sin. In uh, Hebrews, it says, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So as we continue on here, we come upon our memory verse. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. 
you know, really understanding the brevity of our lives and seeking to make the most of them, just like our psalm, our, our song says, you know, Psalm 39 says it this way, Oh Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Verse 13 is a a verse of chapter 90. I'm sorry, Psalm 90 is a how long verse. We talked about this a couple of episodes ago. It says, return, O Lord, how long have have pity on your servants. It's like Moses is pleading, please don't let our lives be brief and bitter. And don't miss, despite the consequences of their sin, God's wrath, their brief life and impending doom, they are still God's servants. May our sin that drives us from God lead us to repentance and cause us to cry out to the Lord for to, for there to be a returning to us. Verse 14, what a beautiful prayer Moses prays in verse 14 in light of all that we've studied. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Spurgeon writes regarding this verse, good men know how to turn the darkest trials into arguments at the throne of grace. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you've seen my affliction and you've known the distress of my soul, Psalm 31 puts. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And then the only thing that can truly satisfy us is the favor of God. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord in Jeremiah. So verse 15 says, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. It's like Moses is saying here, fill the other side of the scale, Lord. If we have to endure such affliction, may we gain the balance of of gladness. And if this prayer is answered, then we see that great trial enables us to bear great joy. It's kind of like a koi fish. Have you ever, if you read about that, how if you put them in a small pond, they stay small. And if you put them in a larger pond, they grow larger. So though our affliction be great, our joy then can be all the greater. Just two more verses. I know I'm running a little bit long on this on this episode, but it says, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. And, uh, you know, Psalm 77, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Psalm 92, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work at the works of your hands. I sing for joy. And Isaiah 6 says, and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Habakkuk says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And then the final statement of Psalm 90, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You know, good men are anxious not to work in vain. We are content to die so long as Jesus lives and his kingdom grows. Wrapping it all up is this idea that we may wither like grass, but may our holy service survive the fire. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. 
According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. It's just saying establish the work of our hands. May, may the work that I leave behind not be burned up. May it be something that will last. Whew. So that was a lot. And I know it was. And thank you for hanging in there with me. But what's next? Well, I just went over all of this so quickly. So I challenge you to read Psalm 90 for yourself. Perhaps invest in the Treasury of David uh, by Charles Spurgeon. I got it for $5 on the Kindle app. And you can read his exposition. He's got a lot of words in there too. You can chase down all the cross-references. I'm going to put them in this week's show notes, but you can explore it on your own by going to BibleHub.com and just begin to familiarize yourself with that resource. Don't read this psalm outside of the perspective of its historical context. And remember, repetition is your friend. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com or hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. And let's talk about what you're learning. And now before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Courtney from Alabama, Brittany from Florida, Desi from Georgia, Linda from California, Lee Zhu from Illinois, Linda from Singapore, and Ryan from Texas. These are my newest subscribers to my website, Welcome. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week. And in that email, you will get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You will get an email recap of the week's episode. And sometimes I create extra resources for my for my podcast. And you'll get all of that directly in your inbox without an extra subscription. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for for listening and for subscribing. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. And then don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes. And while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song What a Beautiful Name by Hillsong Worship. This was a suggestion by my friend Terry. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 157. And then while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, Take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.